so uh, the, the assistant U.S. attorney said, uh, Mr. Davy, can, can you tell us uh, what that is? I was like, um, it's a doodle. And he's like, uh, of what? And I'm like, um, the devil. And he's like, what does that represent to you? <laughs> I wanted to say the federal government, but I didn't say anything. I said, nah, it's just a doodle. And so years later, when I taught public relations, I told the, the kids in the class, I'm like, don't ever doodle on your notes at work because they could end up in front of 25 strangers and two assistant U.S. attorneys who were going to grill you about what you were doing. My guest today is PR pro Brett Davey, who somehow manages to be simultaneously warm as a hug and cool as a cucumber, especially under pressure, which I'm completely unable to do. We talk about door-to-door salesmen, the appropriate age at which to start wearing Velcro sneakers, his time in front of a grand jury, and his failed career as an ice cream truck driver. We even talk about the weather, a topic I only reserve for special occasions. It's all a delightful mess coming up next here on The Renaissance. Hi, I'm Reina and you're listening to The Reina Sense, my meandering, freewheeling, improvised podcast where I talk to people that interest me about whatever grabs our fancy. This podcast probably isn't going to help you grow your business or save time or make money. It's not goal-oriented or results-driven or outcome-focused. So, Put on your headphones, take a walk, go for a drive, or have a little lie down and savor the bliss of doing little else but listening to eccentric people being open and honest and enjoying each other's company. If you dig my vibe, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Yes. <laughs> you clicked the link and here you are. Here I am. I um I'm sitting in my car feeling completely unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really mean... this is like this is the theme in my life. I have two <laughs> themes. I have two modes. I have like overprepared and I have highly <laughs> underprepared mode. There's no there's no in between where it feels okay. <laughs> That's funny. Do you find that? Do you find that you're some people? I always describe people either they can be escalators or de-escalators of a situation. Do you find that your voice is a de-escalator that people talk to you and then they themselves start to talk a little more calmly or um, in a way that would calm the situation? Um, I have never thought about it like that. I've had feedback from people who've said that, but I feel like such a neurotic mess on the inside that I don't (laughs) believe them. I'm like, they have to be lying. (laughs) I think because I've worked in a corporate environment for so long that you see people like flip out about something really small. And I'm always like, it's okay. It's just the, you know, the ink for the printer. It's going to be all right. You know? And and some people like, you know, I work in public relations. So if like the place is on fire, you have to be like, all right, let me get to my computer. I'm going to type up a press release. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I mean, so you are probably, you are probably far more qualified and experienced as a de-escalator of situations. I think I might have been blessed with a tool that I can sometimes call into service to, for those, for those purposes. Like I have, I can, my voice sometimes sounds like that to some people. That's what they say. Yeah. However, I've also seen myself like a raging lunatic. So I know <laughs> I'm like, you don't know the whole picture. Like this oh is, my gosh. it depends who I'm talking to. But do you turn into a lunatic uh, during appropriate times? Like is something legitimate uh-huh. happening or. I mean, that's the whole definition of a lunatic. That is like, it's, it's always at inappropriate times. <laughs> So, for instance, like, be so, fine. <laughs> so, so we met through my girlfriend Christine, and you know, she's Christine, lo- she's, what's she's, up? She's lovely and everything, but the first time I drove with her in Boston traffic with her driving, I was so stunned. I was like sitting back in my chair and watching this lovely woman unleash a torrent of like swears, and she sounded like she had Tourette syndrome, screaming at buses and people, and I was like, oh my gosh! So. Um, yeah, I, I cannot it, imagine her like that. Right, it was unimaginable. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" So, uh, yeah, I think it comes out of different people at different times. I mean, I have two teenage sons, so occasionally, like, you lose your mind over something that looks like fairly innocuous, you know, like a yeah. trail, a trail of dirty underwear. But it's oh, everything. I would it's, lose, yeah, I would be very upset. It's everything that led up to that moment. You know what I mean? It's not the underwear. I think for me, not talking to the same people too often helps me keep it in check. Like with everybody in my life, I think this is a defining, I'm just starting to be able to articulate it now. I'm, this is never happened until this moment, but I'm articulating the fact that I think the nature of my relationships are kind of, they're strong and loose and infrequent. So I'll have these intense moments of connection and that I need a lot of space (laughs) if I have that level of intensity every day it's going to escalate for sure I don't think that could be like a good uh dating profile description strong and loose and what was it uh infrequent infrequent (laughs) I mean that's part of yeah strong and loose is and infrequent and infrequent is a descriptor of many things in my life I think that's yeah that's my personality I'm strong I'm loose (laughs) So let me ask you a question. So you're recording this in your car, but it's like super clammy out right now. It's very humid. Do you have the AC on? No, I cannot have the AC on for right. two reasons. One, because of the noise. Two, because my AC doesn't actually work. Oh my gosh. Are you sweating to death? No, I'm fine. I have, and I just came from exercising outside in a field. It wasn't strenuous exercise. Yeah. Um, But I was under the shade of a tree. So, and I'm parked again under under the shade of a tree and I'm moving very little. And I learned this living um, in India for, for sure, but I grew up around people who really liked air conditioning and I never liked it. I mean, I can appreciate it, but it's super humid. I would appreciate it. It's like a treat, but if I had it all the time, I feel very clammy and uncomfortable actually um, in air conditioning all the time. So when I moved to Goa where I lived for a couple of years in India, and there were, there were definitely days there was air conditioning available and there were days I used it for like a couple of hours to cool a room. Um, but in general, I think this is a little bit of like the stoic monk in me. I was like, I want to be able to do it without at the peak heat, like peak heat season. I mean, it's, it's like you can cut the air with a knife. It's like 
you're underwater all the time. It feels like you're in the ocean. It's that sticky and, and like a warm ocean. I, I will not. I can't go along with that. I'm sorry. I, I, I am always, I'm always interested in people that oftentimes will take sort of like an arbitrary stand. Like it, it'll be like uh, November 28th and it's like four degrees out. And they're like, nope, I promised myself I wouldn't turn the heat on until December 1st. And I'm like, why? Like, wh-? again, it's maybe that monk-like attitude, but um, I cannot go along with that. And I'll tell you something awful lately, Uh, you know, like everyone else uh, during the pandemic, not everyone else, but people I know, I've just been like eating my face off 24 seven. And in the hospital I work at, we have had so much food donated uh, over the last few months, you know, local restaurants and and people are trying to help. And someone donated, it had to be 500 boxes of Girl Scout cookies. It was ridiculous. And so, you know, you give them to the frontline caregivers. And then after a while, people are like, yeah, I'm all right. And so the person that has the Girl Scout cookies is like two offices down from mine. So I keep kind of like sneaking in, tiptoeing in and like grabbing like a box and bringing it to my desk. And I'm just like plowing through Girl Scout cookies nonstop. And I just, that's not been helpful. It's not good. (laughs) I'm going to say though, I really, I had this image of you like on tiptoes, kind of like, Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I'm about, as, about, as, smooth as, about yeah. as smooth as Inspector Clouseau. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so it's been bad. So I'm glad. So I saw you were exercising and you were using the, the like a staff of some sort. Um, it is is that what you're doing? Steak? Yes, I'm doing tomatoes. <laughs> it's a tomato steak. I was like, this is very creative because the traditional exercises are with a, a bamboo stick. And I did... Um, source a couple of bamboo sticks I actually went around the neighborhood and I found someone who had overgrowing bamboos in their backyard like I asked around and I got sent to like a side street and I went and approached a neighbor during a pandemic like saying can I please cut some bamboo from may I please clear some dead bamboo from your from your yard um and at a distance, you know, very cordially, he was very kind and he said, sure. And then he saw me struggling to like break this bamboo because it's strong and loose. It's very, it's very, flexible, <laughs> uh, and it grows very fast, but it's, it's solid. Like you don't just snap it off. Yeah. So eventually he, he sort of uh, socially distant, social distance, diddly, I don't know how to conjugate this verb, um, handed me a saw. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he placed a saw in the middle and he stepped back and then I went and like whatever wiped down the handle and the whole thing and then I'm sewing bamboo in a stranger's yard in the middle of this pandemic and oh my then gosh. realizing that I don't know how to transport this back in my car I was in my other neighborhood in, in I was in JP and then I came over to Cambridge anyway so I had to bring them in a car in a small my mini so they were sticking out the side window like that really stuffed in the car these bamboos and then i realized like they're all broke like i did a terrible job of cutting them so yeah. they're all they're all kind of splintered and 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 cracked and not really great to use and as i was putting them down in the yard i noticed these tomato steaks and i'm like this is the perfect size and height. tomato steak yeah. yeah but these are these exercises they are not they don't feel the same as like standard exercise might for most people yeah very slow they're very i'm going to use the word mindful even though i have anyway let me not get into my issues with the 
overuse of the word mindful, but I like the concept. Um, so they have they are very they're peaceful, gentle, joyful, mindful mm-hmm. movements, and it's a series of like sixteen movements. You know, four groups of four, and a lot of it is about just kind of slowing down and taking note, um, and enjoying the woman whose video I follow. She's a I guess a, a monk or a practitioner of some sort at um, uh, a very famous Buddhist monk's uh, monastery in in France. The, uh, this is Thich Nhat Hanh, who a lot of people are into uh, his his Buddhist teaching. Anyway, so this woman is like this English woman. She's like an elderly English woman in you know very dowdy monk robes, nothing sexy you know, and, and, and clumpy shoes, and she's filled with delight. Hmm. So let me ask you a question. So um, it's all very peaceful and mindful. If you were in a situation where you had to uh, throw down and, and take on someone, would you rather have the bamboo or the tomato stick? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I thought about this. One <laughs> is which would, which would be faster to run with? <laughs> <laughs> Because the first thing when you grab something like that is even if you're trying to do something peaceful like that, you immediately, the, the inner child comes out and you pretend that you're Bruce Lee. Because like that's I definitely feel like a badass walking down the street in my mask holding this tomato steak for sure. And I actually carry, <laughs> I carry a couple extras because um, the this is very, it, it's very suitable for sort of socially distant. Yeah. Um, walking out together. In fact, a couple of friends showed up today and we were like, very far apart from each other but we got to catch up and we did some movement and a a friend one of them teaches qigong and she's really gotten into qigong exercises and so she did some of it so we did kind of this community swapping of movement and just kind of moving a lot of that mental and emotional energy and 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 stress and noise into these this movement together Nice. I, I think you should keep like a tomato attached to each one of the stakes so people know that it, you're friendly, that you're not using it as a weapon. But I was thinking about this. I was like, how do I make the tomato stakes look more? <laughs> and I thought about it. I literally this morning I decided maybe I will take like I will steal, as I always do, more art supplies from my daughter's stash <laughs> and, yeah. and decorate the stakes. Like I, I can have cheerful you know, ribbon or paper, it, brightly colored paper, like they, so they look like circus staffs rather than weapons of anything. <laughs> so, so you went to this guy's, so are you that, are you as trusting as the guy who you went to his house, you were a stranger and he gave you a saw? Um, <laughs> would, would you, would you be that trusting of a stranger? What do you mean? Oh, to, to show up? Yeah. A stranger knocks on your door and then you hand the person a saw. Would you be that trusting? That's a very good question. Because I was like, gee, that guy's pretty trusting. He's like, here's a chainsaw. Yeah, just go to town. Whatever you want to do. Just have fun. <laughs> I mean, it, it was not motorized. Um, <laughs> he had a dog and a, a shed full of other tools. Um, and we were outdoors. So I didn't go knocking on his door. I think Okay. I have mixed feelings about door knocking. Um, really? stranger door knocking yeah i don't knocking on your door or knocking on someone else's door both Hmm. Both. i think i would i would rather knock on somebody else's door than have my door knocked on 
<laughs> is, is, that that a metaf- is that a metaphor or is that like an actual like <laughs> that is totally a metaphor it wasn't okay. meant to be it's a retrospective metaphor it's like yeah in hindsight so, you know, so so people that usually knock on your door oftentimes it's like you know sometimes it's someone who's religious you know yeah. and they want to talk to you about scientology or something but you know the people that knock on my door the most there's a group of young people in their 20s that work for i think verizon or one of the phone companies and they're trying to get you to change over to verizon and i don't know what the screening process is but every single one of them is incredibly cute and and very um and there's something about them that's very enchanting i don't know how they screen them but something like that that you're like no i'm not interested you start talking to them you're like oh this is a nice breath of fresh air they're just all very delightful and so i feel like i might have to switch over to verizon at some point just because these kids you know it's working it's working. That's a the good plan, thing. you know. There is something. I mean, you're a captive audience, right? And I think that's the part that I feel um, cornered by. Yeah, and you're I mean, in your own doorway. Yeah, that's, yeah. And I'm usually, I'm usually doing something when it happens. I usually have the the stove on, or I'm like in the middle of getting dressed, or I'm like actually in the shower. Yeah, yep. Like, so it's already like I'm in my home doing my own thing. And, and I get it. And I, I'm not the kind of person, like, I don't swear at people, at telemarketers, for example. And I've gotten into, sometimes I'll get into just a, a kind conversation, like not, a, not chit chat, but I'll just be as kind as I can. And I understand, I try to understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I just I I remember when I was a kid, there was a guy who was going around our neighborhood. And you know, it was back when you had like door to door salesmen, you know, guys in suits selling Mm -hmm. stuff. And he came to our door and he was selling um, these encyclopedias. <laughs> I know it sounds like a setup for a joke, but it was legitimate. And so he was going around. And I think my mom bought one. It was some big one. It was almost like a Guinness World Book of Records with lots of pictures in it. You know, it was interesting, you know. And and shortly thereafter, uh, a store near my house had been held up. And somehow this poor guy who was the traveling salesman was like the suspect and so there was like a mob of people going around knocking on doors looking for him and uh and we were like no we bought an encyclopedia from him he's like a legitimate salesman but it was this like crazy mob and so that was before social media where you could all text each other i don't i i uh i guess to gather a mob you also have to knock on some doors right well i was just just... thinking it's like they're doing the same thing yeah, you have to go and you have to knock on someone's door and say, hey, listen, we're trying to chase this guy down and maybe like, I don't know, chase him up a tree or something. I don't know what it was. And I'll tell you something. A friend of mine who's a brilliant guy, he went to Princeton, at, but he's, you know, he always wanted to experience different things. So after he graduated from Princeton, he had a degree in like computer science or something. He took a job selling uh, encyclopedias door to door. This was probably the 90s. And he he said it was like a cult, though. They they he went out to like Utah and they were at this training facility and he said it was him and mostly like people who were like foreign exchange students for the most part and he said it was like a cult though they would like stand up and they would do these chants and he said it was funny because there were a lot of like uh there were a lot of German students there and so the the person that was leading the chants would be like you know, repeat after me, I am a winner. And he'd say like 200 people would be like, I am a wiener, you know? So he said it was like, <laughs> and, and that was the beginning of his door to door salesperson jobs. But I just can't, I couldn't, I'm, I'm very outgoing, but I hate to try to sell people stuff. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like I, I've been told a friend told me, she said, 
um, she she had the best compliment. She said, "You would make a great croupier." She told me, hmm. and I immediately had to look up. I was like, "Wait, I know this word, but I forgot what it meant." Um, and she said, "Like the pers- person who deals cards at the casino is yeah. croupier." Yeah. And I said, why? I've never heard that before. And she said, you are both, <laughs> she said, you're both very charming and also kind of mysterious. <laughs> nice. And I was like that. So people trust you easily. I'm like, yeah, but nobody's giving me money. <laughs> I know. So do you, the only reason I know that word is there was a movie, I think, yeah, uh, like yeah. in the 90s with Clive Owen that was called mm-hmm. Croupier or something mm-hmm. like that. So I do you... What- do you do you ever find yourself because you can be charming using that to your advantage? I don't think I notice it. See, I, I don't do it consciously. Yeah. You know, I, I wherever I go, I kind of form friendships with everyone. You know, what Same. I mean? and I, do, I, I don't do it for any ulterior motive. You know, it doesn't. It does. Same. You know, it's it's like you know, I I make friends with people who can do me absolutely no good. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> They're but, the most um, interesting ones. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's like you do that and some people do that for some ulterior motive or, or try to use their charm to get into things mm-hmm. or get out of things. But I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm not that devious. Yeah, I've, I've gotten told more often than not that I'm, I'm too naive and too trusting and that I should find out and have more ulterior motives with my relationships <laughs> with people. And I'm like, this is very twisted. Why am I getting taught this? Like I'm <laughs> trying to undo a lot of that. You know, this is like years, generations of cultural and social conditioning and gender. Con- anyway, lots of things. There's like lots of layers to the conditioning that I seem naturally drawn to undoing. Yeah. Um, and then having to defend <laughs> why. I was like, I really genuinely am just, I'm interested in very strange people. Because so I if you, if, like if, you if your friends say you should have moral ulterior motives, I feel like once we hang up, you should make a list and just title it ulterior motives and just start to like, just start to list them. What, what would, okay. What would your ulterior motives be? If you had to have an ulterior motive with reaching out to somebody like a stranger, besides selling door to door Bibles or, or encyclopedias, <laughs> what would it be? I don't know I what that what... would be. What would it be? So to me, anytime you think of even the term ulterior motive, it's almost always money. Right. It's like yeah. someone trying to, you know, marry the old widow and take her fortune or, or something like that. So to me, the, what other what other I mean, obviously, getting closer to power would be you'd have an ulterior motive for something, um, I guess, for status. Yeah. But, I, you know, it's funny. I don't even think about it. I almost always associate it with money. But I see what you mean. It's like you could get or I suppose money, sex, power. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh and some other things that are really is stuff, I guess, maybe stuff if people are into stuff like things, material things. Yeah. So I, I don't, yeah, I don't really, I, I'm just kind of lumbering like from one minute to the next. So I can't think that far into the future. To That's what I'm, motive. I, I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't know. Actually, most of those things to me are very unappealing, especially if they're gotten through sort of ill means or these kind of ulterior motive ways, then, because I'm into process. Like, that's what I realized. I think about while while doing this podcast, too, I realized a big thing that I'm interested in is process and the and change. Like, the, the process of changing or the process of developing. Yeah. 
learning something or forming a new relationship like that the the journey of it itself is very interesting to me so much so that i of i usually i'm not focused on the end or i forget about the end or by the time i get to the end like i've lost interest because the most interesting thing for me is the way there so if i have to put that aside for an ulterior motive you have to put that aside and you're telling me to put aside my favorite part of being in the world <laughs> <laughs> but I think the I think the bigger piece is the fear that you will get in trouble. You know, I think that's what oftentimes I mean, people do have a moral compass and they have a, they a sense of ethics. But like, I'll tell you, when I was at one of the hospitals I worked at 15 years ago, um, the the uh, the CEO of the hospital got indicted by the federal government. And so as the um, you know, the, the government at that point in the indictment period can subpoena anyone to come in and testify in front of the grand jury. And so I get testified to come in and talk to the grand jury. So when they, when you go in front of a grand jury, you don't have a lawyer with you. In this case, it was just me and like two assistant district attorneys and assistant us attorneys. And, and there are about 25 jurors there. There's like a whole, wow. it's like a, ble a bleacher full of people and you're all alone. So the, uh, the, the, government had subpoenaed all my notes too and they had them projected behind me on like a big wall and so they're going wow. through them and they're, they're like i'm just telling you this about the fear of like getting in trouble so they project them on a wall behind you they project your notes and and so and i would have to turn slightly to the left to see these notes and so the the assistant u.s attorney said to me you know this phone number, whose phone number is it? And I said, oh, this is a reporter from the local news station. You know, what does this mean? What does that mean? And so they clicked and they changed the slide and everyone on the jury started to laugh. And now you have to understand that the things being projected behind me were like pretty big, you know, like they were just a note, note piece of paper, but behind me, they were like maybe four feet high, mm -hmm. you know? And so they project it and everyone starts kind of giggling. And I looked to my left and it was a drawing of the devil that I had made on a piece of note paper while I was just like hanging out and talking on the phone, I guess. And so uh, the, the assistant U.S. attorney said, uh, Mr. Davey, can, can you tell us uh, what that is? I was like, um, it's a doodle. And he's like, uh, of what? And I'm like, um, the devil. And he's like, what does that represent to you? <laughs> I wanted to say the federal government, but I didn't say anything. I said, nah, it's just a doodle. And so years later, when I taught public relations, I told the, the kids in the class, I'm like, don't ever doodle on your notes at work because they could end up in front of 25 strangers and two assistant U.S. attorneys who were going to grill you about what you were doing. Oh, gee. So the stress, though, in that position, you know, and then the very the other thing that's strange about being in front of a grand jury is that grand jurors can ask you questions. So. I got some questions and, and then the last person asked a question was a very grandmotherly woman, you know, with white hair and she slowly raised her hand and, and they called on her and she said, well, I don't have a question, but I feel like you have not been very honest with us today. <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't even, I wasn't hurt that she thought I was dishonest. I was more hurt because I felt like I let her down and I didn't even know her, you know, I felt like I disappointed her. This entire story is bizarre. I think you have a lot of bizarre <laughs> stories. It is I a do. bizarre story. And I also have a copy of the transcript from when I was on the um, stand. And, uh, and I, have to send, I have to send you a couple of screenshots because they're just ludicrous. You know, it's like, uh, you know, like there was one, it was in relation to the, the, the doodle of the devil. And, he, and the, the, 
the assistant U.S. attorney said, uh, you know, what are the what is that uh, number to the to the right? No. What is that number near the doodle? And I said to the right or the left of the doodle. And he's like to the right of the doodle. And just the fact that I had to have this guy keep saying the doodle was really funny to me. <laughs> In a very serious situation. Yeah. Right? This guy's right job is to put a yeah, The right of the doodle, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy's job was to like put away criminals and he's like to the right of the doodle. It just sounded it sounded like some like bizarre dance you'd do at a wedding or something, you know. So Wait, I'm not sure how we arrived at a doodle of the devil from door to door salesman, but actually yeah, it's a pretty sure. short jump. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a short, but yeah, so, so that's the lesson. Don't doodle if you think that your notes might be subpoenaed. Oh gosh, I can't. I mean, I want you to use that. You never know. You know what I mean? You could assault someone with a tomato stalk at some point. And all is this about off. the tomato steak? I don't tomato know. Tomato steak. Why do I keep saying, I've called it a stick. I've called it it's a steak, steak and I've called I it mean, a stalk. It is all of the above. It is all of the above things in a sense, I suppose. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Have you ever get, have you ever been have you ever been arrested? I have not been arrested. I have been stopped. I have been given tickets that were later like for things that I apparently was doing with my car. That mm -hmm. later laughed out of court, but it cost me time and money and a lot of like fear. Yeah, um, because I got stopped and it was like the end of the month, and someone you know later told me like, and I was in a town that I'm not normally in, and I didn't look like the people over there, and I pulled over to ask a cop for directions to a farm. I my sister was visiting, and we were mm. gonna go pick berries at a farm in a like a, a couple of towns over and I wasn't used to driving. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a safe driver. I'm a slow driver. I'm a chill driver. Like I don't like to rush. I don't, I don't like to drive. So I go, I take it easy and I go slow, but not super slow. I'm not like that annoying person who doesn't let anything go. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I pulled over and st I stopped to ask a cop directions and I found my, then he asked for my license and registration and it became a whole thing. And then he refused to let me drive the car. I, like, this was a long time ago. I don't know. And I think I have, I might've blocked some of them out and I'm in a town over. So I had to pay, I'm a student, I'm a college student at this point. I had to pay for the car to be towed oh. to my, my, where I lived with my sister who was visiting from another place. I think she was like, I think we're in the same country, but she was, you know, she'd come up, like taken a bus and come to visit me for the weekend. And this was our weekend. And then I got a summons. I had to appear in court and oh explain what I was doing. And and I said, I was just trying to go pick perhaps tomatoes <laughs> just to bring it full circle. <laughs> we had gone to, yes, but I think we were going to pick tomatoes and make like pizza or something, fruit or tomatoes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We were just going, we were minding our own business and going to a farm. And I stopped to ask for help. And this is how it ended. Oh, my God. Do you ever could, have you ever been able to use your voice to get out of something? I'll tell you why I asked that, because 
one of the hospitals I worked at, we used to do a little, what was called a mini medical school program. And it was for the public. They would come in and hear from physicians and clinicians about stuff, and then they could ask questions. And it was an audience of, it was primarily women over 60, you know, there'd maybe be 80 of them. And one of the presenters we had once was uh, um, the head of the blood bank. He was a gentleman, a doctor who was from Ireland. And he had the most delightful accent. And the women were just like swooning over him. And after he left, they're like, can you bring Dr. Sweeney back for another presentation sometime? <laughs> you know, because it was an ongoing series. And I told Dr. Sweeney, I was like, if I had your accent, like I would get away with murder, not figurative murder, like literally just get away with murder. And I would use my accent to get off. You hmm, don't give me ideas, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm not saying to do it, but I'm saying if you wanted to do it. <laughs> well, I have I, I think I've. I started waking up to the fact that certain people responded to my voice in a certain way relatively recently. Like, I think it's been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been really paying attention to it because I've been so focused on the things that are wrong with me that, you know, just like I've been human. So I, I wasn't really paying attention to, to the feedback as much. But in the last few years, and I think doing the television show and stuff too, yeah. the crew there would say, we, you could just say anything, read us anything, say <laughs> any words, we'll just listen to you, to your voice. It's not even what you're saying. And I'm like, this could, <laughs> this is a powerful tool. <laughs> and That's I, interesting, but it's potentially dangerous it's too. It's potentially dangerous, which is- You're like, drink this Kool-Aid. Yes, take this delicious Kool-Aid. Just but follow I, me. <laughs> it is very, it is, I mean- I think playing music and, and singing in the band that almost was, that hopefully will be someday. Um, I was doing, I started, I found my way to doing um, leadership training last year. And a big part of that, at least my favorite part, I have many favorite parts, but my favorite parts were the storytelling modules Hmm. and the relaxation, like I would do breathing, relaxation, and visualization. So this is basically sort of body and voice training using all the skills um, me and others, other facilitators who basically have uh, a background in either acting or performance, stage and screen work, um, or voice, voice work, using that in a business context. So it's really like physicalizing a lot of things. Yeah understanding doing voice coaching um, yeah and body language stuff and then structuring stories and anyway i love this work but it was all in person i'd made really a, a strong effort to get out from sitting down behind a desk looking at a screen like those are all things i didn't want to do anymore yeah i just found my way to it right before the pandemic and now it's very hard to do that work but my favorite part and the people responded very well to was the parts where I did these breathing and relaxation and visualization exercises, yeah. kind of creative visualizations of like what you might visualize for yourself in the future or uh, kind of being in the moment. It was a lot of it was about how to be relaxed in the moment. When you're about to get on stage, you're about to get into the boardroom, you're about to give a presentation, you know, you want to either inspire or motivate or deescalate a situation or give a speech of some sort. So that's the training we would do. And I found that people responded really well to my voice. And this is what I've been 
playing with a bit recently too. Yeah. See how can I use it for good? Like I would like to use it to help people in some yeah. way. Um, you need to find so there has to you have to make some kind of like a matrix, like a graph, and find the intersection. So it's going to be like music, food, art, corporate training, and then the ability to carry a bamboo shoot at all times with you. <laughs> and whatever that intersection is, that's that's where you're meant to be. I think I'm doing it right now. Do you have a bamboo shoot or tomatoes steak yeah. in your hand? That's not true. It's not in my hand, but I just put them down. Like I just took my food off. <laughs> I literally walked back from it. I put them down right there outside the car. And um, I got into the car to get on this call. So I'm. it's some form of that, of talking to people with maybe some music in the background, but in a way that maybe is with some relaxation and some movement. I don't know. I used to be an instructor. I used to be a fitness instructor, believe it or not. <laughs> a very long oh, really? time ago. A very long time ago. And I loved it. Oh, interesting. I so do you aerobics. <laughs> very interesting. So you, I like, I would look at you and say that you are sort of like a seeker. You're trying to figure out, you know, your place in the world in, in a number of ways. So do you think that you are and do you think that you would find something in the end where you'd be like, all right, this is satisfying. This is where I'm supposed to be. Probably not. I mean, I think it's a fair description. I've always been like that. But again, because I'm interested in the process and the journey itself. And I've long since, I think early on, I believed that there was like some end point. And then when I realized the end point is always shifting. Yeah. Um, that to focus on the end point was kind of pointless. Yeah. But and is there anything like, so right now, so you've done, you know, you're doing art, you're doing music, um, you're doing this. Is there anything in the kind of like the artistic creative realm that you haven't tried yet that you want to do? Um, there's always something, but I think like pushing the music a little more, but again, playing with people is what I enjoy. I like being with people. I like doing things with people. When I'm alone, I like I do a lot of. I'm very good at resting on my own. I'm very good at doing a lot of nothing on my own, not in kind of a lazing about way. Although I do that too. Um, yeah. And kind of a regular, of course. Like there's the money question. Yeah. There's always the money question. Um, it's always going to be a question for me, but it's. I don't know. I live very lightly, Brett. And I think for me, it's always just been an, a, a continuous process of like, can I live even more lightly than I'm living? Yeah. Attachments and less um, emotional heaviness. We're all like, accepting it. I mean, I accept all of it and I revel in all of it and that helps make it all light. Um, That's interesting. And I'm very, I'm supported by many, many, many forces, some of which I know, many of which are invisible. And I'm getting to know them more and more. You know, so I feel very lucky most days. I feel like a lot of creative people are very bad at uh, figuring out how to make money, like obviously because that's not the most important thing. I mean, some of them are good, but um, like, for instance, like a couple of years ago, I went to visit my friend Heidi, who lives in the South Bronx, and she's an artist. And I created a little just like a 10 minute bio little film about her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been friends forever. I mean, we've been friends for over 30 years. We used to work at a restaurant together and just had like, she was just really, really fun. And so I went there to visit with my sons and, and she's, you know, she got this, uh, it's like a studio apartment kind of, but she, it's, it's like a studio in our studio, but she was living there as well. Mm -hmm. 
and she's got a pigeon that she adopted um, who lives in the apartment. It doesn't go outside. And she's got, you know, a bunch of dogs and cats and everything else. And uh, but she was continuing to work as either like a sommelier or a, a waitress or whatever. And and her art is fantastic, you know, and I'm like, oh, it's so hard to I think some people just have that kind of like skill or instinct to make money. I've never had it. You know what I mean? And not even just from the art, but just, you know, in everyday life. I I'm such a slipshod when it comes to stuff like that. I'll tell you, when I was, I think I was 18 years old, I had a job one summer uh, working as an ice cream truck driver, mm -hmm. which you would think sounds like a fun job. And it's awful because you have to work from like nine to nine every single day, like seven days a week. And I think on my first day I was driving through, you had to go through the every, you had a route that you went through twice a day. And I had a, um, I had a, a, a section that was kind of like a poorer section. And these two guys came up to the, um, the ice cream truck on my first day. And they said, Hey, the guy that was driving last summer, we had a deal with him where we would, you know, just run a tab. And then at the end of the summer, we just pay him off. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I was so dopey. I was like 18 <laughs> years old. Obviously you could see where this is going. Right. <laughs> so they'd come up and they're like, all right, two chocolate eclairs. And like, here you go. And you know, whatever. And twice a day, every day. And so I got to like the end of August, like oh the God. last week of August. And I I pull up to this neighborhood and I'd ask people like, hey, have you seen like, hey, Bob and Ted? And they're like, no, nah, I haven't seen them. I'm sure like, and of course I'm coming. So you, I'm ringing a bell so you can hear me coming. So right. the last week of August, these guys just like, you know, went in the house when I drove by. And then by the end of the summer, who the hell knows? They probably owed me like, $500 for ice cream but so I've never been great at, at figuring out ways, ways to make money like literally do they think you ate all the ice cream do they track the ice cream like the well, you, ice cream you truck driver must eat it. all the ice cream no you buy it from them and then you sell it and then oh, whatever right. is left that sense, over obviously. that's what you make so yeah they had no idea but um I I I have to say that that probably puts me in pretty exclusive company because I'm guaranteed there's not too many ice cream truck drivers who got scammed out of like hundreds of dollars uh, <laughs> in the in the course of business. But You're I somehow a special made... human being, Brad. You're a very uh, special I, human being. I was too trusting. <laughs> they were so nice, you know. But little did I know they were taking me for a ride, you know, getting free cannonballs and uh, cherry slush, you know. That is pretty funny. That is a funny story. Yeah, not fair. So anyway, I mean, I don't know. I think honestly, this the money relation is. I wish it were easier and more open to talk about. I really do because there's perceptions of what people have and don't have. There's ideas of what we should have and not have. There's ideas and pressure, social pressures about how we should spend it, how we should make it, whether we, sh you know, yeah, it's a very complicated thing. Nobody likes to talk about money, how much, how little, how you, how it comes, how it goes, where it goes. Everyone's stressed about it all the time. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one way though, the, the, the primary way in my life that I've learned to restrain any kind of, you know, jealousy or envy of someone who has more money is I always ask myself, would I want to be that person? Not just what I want to live in that house or have that car or take mm -hmm. that trip, but I'm always like, would I want to be that person? And, mm -hmm. you know, almost uniformly, the answer is no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because, you know, oftentimes it's sort of a, like an unimaginative person or, you know, yeah. someone who wears their belt up around their solar plexus, you know, so. What's wrong with like, that? <laughs> is that where you wear your belt? That's my belt. 
I think that's for a woman. I think it's okay. So you know, Christine started doing the French tuck like a year ago, mm. and I don't know if you know what that is, but it's just one side of your shirt is tucked in, and the other one's out on yeah. purpose. And when she did it, I said, "Oh, your shirt's uh, untucked <laughs> on one side," and she was like. That's the French tuck. And I'm like, that is not even a thing. That is not <laughs> even a real thing. But it was a real thing. So little did I know. I have so. mixed, I have mixed feelings about trends. I mean, they look great on some people. I want, I want, I thought about this the other day. I want the reverse of the French tuck. I want where I can let my front completely be in like a loosey-goosey shirt. And I can tuck in just in the back where hmm. my assets are. <laughs> oh, nice. Well done. <laughs> Just but show I think the French tuck, I, think, I think the French tuck, the back is also tucked in, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't want the front tuck at all. I don't want any front tucking. I want it like completely free so I can eat <laughs> and, and hang now, out. And now I have this tuck. image of, of your belt line like crawling up toward like your armpits. Like that it's when you become a little older, it's going to literally be like the, the belt will be like three inches from your chin. I mean, Brett, I'm not far off. I'm basically <laughs> seniors in the park. Like I'm that person <laughs> oh my God. in the park and I look like a crazy person. So I'm really, you know, I'm not that far away. I'm, I'm roaming around with tomato steaks. And yeah. I always wonder, I wonder when do people hit that? time though like so for now, instance like if, no but when, <laughs> but when do you hit that point at, at your, in your age where you're like I'm gonna start wearing this because this looks good like I'm gonna start wearing like the velcro sneakers I can get if there's like a reason for doing it but like my mom's 80 and she dresses the same as she's always dressed like I don't know sometimes people like flip a switch and they start like kind of dressing a certain way and you're like Rrr. like what I don't know what prompts people at a certain age to start dressing like I guess it's so much just mindset. Like you can decide like your mother sounded like a lovely woman who was very lively. And, you know, I, I never, I just feel like sometimes people like they feel like at a certain age, you kind of like quit a little bit. Like you don't try to keep learning or growing or making new friends. And you know what I mean? It's just, it's always been kind of odd to me. I think, you, I think it can go in both directions. I think there's the, the, the direction where you stop caring as much what other people think, which I think is a wonderful place to be. Yeah. But then there's a place where you stop experimenting or being curious, you know. Yeah. Um, or, But maybe those two things are together. Like, I don't want to spend that much energy now trying certain kinds of things because I know myself in this way enough to my satisfaction and I don't, I just don't want to spend more energy. Like I, I don't, I am not interested in dinner parties, like big dinner parties. Nope. Yeah. I never was, but now I feel okay to just say, no, I'm just not into that. Thank you very much. I would much rather have, you know, two or three people for, we'll sit for five hours and have like a deep conversation and we'll eat stuff, we'll drink stuff and we'll hang out. It's basically a party, but it's not like, like chit chat with like 10 people in a restaurant where you can't talk to the person who's on the other end of the table. So what's the big, you know, so I don't, so does that make me less curious? Does that make me the Velcro sneaker lady? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that should be the title of your first album, the Velcro sneaker lady. Velcro sneaker lady. All right. I will be the the only thing in the park with the Velcro sneakers. (laughs) The only thing that's interesting is that's, I know it was for, you know, obviously it was somewhat work related too, but we met at a, uh, dinner party or house party um and there were like five gazillion people there um i'll always find a I remember, an interesting person and then I'll you were well you were like in a doorway almost so 
it was like you were but you were alone like I remember that and and I was like oh this looks like an interesting person to talk to so I I remember going up and talking to you but you were talking to other people as well I mean you knew I only knew one person at the party you know what I mean you knew way more than I did but I still had a few I had relatively few conversations I love going to things alone I love going out alone. It's my favorite thing to do. because really? the, and Yeah. I go to movies alone. I mean, when one could go to movies, I went to movies alone. I would go to shows alone, like concerts. Hmm. Um, I have gone to yeah, parties of all kinds alone. I love it because then I get to meet new people. And strong and loose, strong and loose and infrequent, right? So I, I can, <laughs> then I can leave. I can have a strong conversation and I'm free to leave whenever with no obligation to anyone yeah and then here we are months later i mean we've kept in touch this is the first time i think we're speaking since we met yeah. right back in whenever it was must have been early december and we're in whatever we are now yeah right what is it june maybe <laughs> yeah well you know the thing is with social media though it's easy yeah. to kind of stay in touch with someone yeah. you know what i mean so even if you don't ever see them you know so yeah. but we had an easy con it was very easy to talk to you then and it feels the same now. And that's kind of the kinds of people I gravitate towards are the ones for whom, with whom it's easy for me to speak freely and deeply and lightly at the same time without having to pretend a whole lot. So that's yeah. that's my version of the Velcro sneakers. It's like, I'm not going to go <laughs> chit-chatting. Like, we're not going to ever talk about the weather, probably, you know? the first thing we talked about was how humid it was. Oh, shit. <laughs> so you want to pretend that you're not, that, you know, I will talk about those things, but I'll tell you okay. the people that the people that I'm most attracted to um, just on a personal level are, you know, like some of my, like I have a friend, Pat, who's a musician who is probably like one, one of the two or three, like most soulful people I know. And I don't mean soulful, like as a musician, yeah. I mean, just as a person who, you know, like really, you know, thinks deeply. And, and even though if you met him, you wouldn't think he was deep and just, you know, kind of like gets what life's all about. I'll just tell you a really quick story. So he was working at a place called RHD where they take care of, um, not take care. It's like a school for people with um, mental disabilities. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's a, it's a music and arts based program. Mm -hmm. And so one of the people that Pat was hooked up with was this uh, young, young man, Doug, who was probably, I don't know, it looked like he was late teens, maybe. And so through music, Pat would work with him and they put together like a like a rap CD for Doug, who has Down syndrome. And he put out this rap CD and Pat had lived in Detroit for a while, for a number of years. And he took this young man on a on a trip with him to Detroit and they stayed there for a few weeks and he got him to perform in a bunch of clubs in Detroit. I mean, it was a big leap of faith for the parents, you know, to let yeah. this to let their son go on this road trip. And the joy in just seeing the pictures and video from this trip, I was like, my heart was so full, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I just think there are some like beautiful, like soulful people out there that are doing things for the right reason. Yeah. And they don't, and they don't really care. They don't care at all. It's the what, most delightful what, thing, right? Yeah, it's beautiful to see. So, Oh my God, um, now I want to talk to Heidi and Pat. They sound amazing. <laughs> Yeah, you would, and actually, all we all met at a rest the restaurant work together. When I met Pat, he was like fourteen. He was a busboy at the restaurant. And he had really long hair, and he was super skinny. So I was working on the line cooking, and we used to yell at him. We'd make because he played music even back then, and we'd make him do like the 
Axel Rose, like sweet child of mine dance, you know, where he's like swinging the hips and yeah. doing the thing with the hands. So we're like, sweet child of mine. And he'd do like the little dance through the kitchen for us. So oh. he was always like, he's kind of like, uh, in a way, sort of like a brother to me, you know? So, but those are the kind of people that I really, really like seeing, you know? So sometimes it's a struggle. You work in a corporate environment and while you like people, you know, everyone is so narrow sometimes in how they think about things. And, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit of a struggle, but you also got to feed the kids. So you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. I do what I got to do sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I just find, I find openings and holes in interesting places. I think the ability to think sideways and backwards um, and in little pockets and corners and grooves has been helpful. Yeah. Um, I think, I think where I lack in, in, I don't know, money drive I make up for in resourcefulness and creativity and honestly yeah. the relationships I have I hate to, I don't want to say they've paid off like they just that's just the nature of them that when I have like good relationships have been far more yeah. useful to me without me even seeking them to be useful do you know what I mean like the the best ones have been the ones that I have n nothing going in with yeah like i have absolutely nothing except this seems like a genuine person yeah and i'm genuinely interested in in knowing them and and opening myself to them as well yeah and that's all it is that's really and it feels like the secret i'm like can i tell everyone what a valuable wonderful <laughs> thing this is can we just be people together and it creates a its own kind of currency and wealth for which there is no accounting, there is no accountant, there's no April 15th deadline for anything. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> it really is amazing. It's a currency. No, that's true. And I'm very rich in that. And so I don't feel as much the pressure. I mean, of course, this is all not to say like day-to-day -day realities of right. paying for stuff. But I was talking to a friend of mine about this. So she's like, I, there's, there's so much free stuff out there if you just change your perspective of what it what the valuable stuff is you know yeah it's yeah it's true it's very true i'm not and i don't know i i don't know if you want to close Shirley, but i do want to just tell you something really quickly so um you know i have this like great relationship with my mom so when you talk about free stuff so yesterday she called me and she said that um she and her husband john she said john and i are going to come over tonight we made a blueberry pie and we're going to bring it over with some ice cream. And I was, of course, ecstatic about that prospect. And I said, that's terrific. And so she paused a second. She goes, you have the boys tonight, right? And I said, no, nah, I don't have them until tomorrow night. And then she paused even longer. And she goes, we'll just come tomorrow night then. And I was like, hold on one second. I also like pie. I would like to have some pie so then about 10 minutes later she facetimes me and my mother just started facetiming mm -hmm. so she's 80 years old so the screen when she facetimes is basically her eyebrows up that's how she holds <laughs> the phone so even if i didn't see the number i would know it was her because it's just like all eyebrows and forehead and so so she calls her i'm like hey and she goes hold on i want to show you something so then she puts the phone over the pie and I'm like, firstly, you're not bringing me any pie. And now, secondly, you're like taunting me with a picture of this beautiful pie with all this, you know, lattice work on top. And I said, you know, if you had a friend who was like in the desert, would you call him up and like show him a picture of a glass of water? No. So anyway, <laughs> long story short, she did come the next night and we were able to have the pie and the ice cream. That's so. great. Let's say hi to your mom. Carol, right? Okay. Hi, Carol. Hey, Carol.
So. Oh, they're good people. I think we we are lucky to have good people in our lives. I think yeah, it's definitely. a very fortunate thing. And I am very grateful to have met you. It's a fun, it's a fun and interesting exchange for sure. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. We'll maybe do right. this again. But I I would love to. We I have just, to talk uh, about crab number, rangoons at some point. <laughs> there are a number of topics I want to broach at some point. I, I know. Mean, There's to... a lot of things to talk about. All right. Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. I, I appreciate the energy you put out. And uh, I like to follow you, whatever you're doing, whether it's the music stuff or the art stuff with your daughter or whatever. So I appreciate having someone else who has uh, the kind of that positive energy out there. So oh, I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. That's great to hear. Thanks. Brett, take Thank care. You. All right. All right. Cheers. Later. Take it yep, easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Before you go, here's a little something you can do. If you want to tell me what you thought of this episode or if you have ideas of people you think I could speak to on future episodes, leave me a voicemail. Just go to anchor.fm slash therainasense slash message and you can record a personal voicemail just for me. I might even play it on a future episode. Again, that's anchor.fm slash T-H-E-R-A-Y-N-A S-E-N-S-E slash message to leave me a message and tell me what's up. Until next time, my lovelies, thanks for listening and take good care. Bye.